Welcome to the Contino Podcast, the place for conversations about digital transformation. This episode is all about developer experience, or DevEx. It's a subject that our VP of Engineering, Federico Fregosi, knows inside out. So he sat down with our principal consultant, Ethan Sumner, to explore what DevEx means for large enterprises today and how it's about so much more than just keeping developers happy. Enjoy the episode, and if you want to discuss anything to do with DevEx or digital transformation, get in touch. Email hello at contino.io. So DevEx is a really big topic right now. Like how would you explain DevEx to someone who's never heard of the phrase before? So DevEx is a big topic right now because we are the convergence of multiple traits, multiple things happening right now in the industry we're seeing. So on one hand, over the years, we've seen this trend of software is eating the world. So companies have realized now that being good at software is a core differentiator for them, not only tech companies, but companies of all sorts, from manufacturing to life sciences, the companies we've engaged with at Contino. We always see this trend. We're moving from IT as a cost center into IT as value generation. This is important for DevEx because DevEx is the response to this. We need to get value from software, and software is a core differentiator for us in the company. So as a company, we want to invest into our developers, in our developer experience, to make sure that our developers are as fast as possible, are having as easy time as possible, they can deliver value in the best possible way with the best possible resources. So DevEx is very much a series of activities and tools and processes and policies within the company that enable developers to operate at their best. We want developers to be not only happy with the work that we're doing, but also very productive. And all this level of investment is quite significant. And we're seeing that this definitely has started with big tech. We've seen that starting with Google and AWS and all the other big tech players. And then that entered the startup world. We're seeing, for example, I remember that I heard, uh, uh, I think the former VP of engineering or Shopify saying that they were investing up to 25% of their developer output in developer experience because they saw that as generating ROI. And uh, we see now all our customers exactly in that spot, investing into developer experience in order to generate revenue, to generate value for the company, not only to make developers happy, but really connection is there. So we made that super important connection. So interesting point around like explaining DevEx and, and the benefits, et cetera, and, and the ROI it brings. What are some non-technical ROI benefits that developer experience brings? Oh, it's very interesting. So there's a number of things we're seeing. So I think that one of the big advantages is the reduction in cognitive load. So let me be honest with you. Uh, when I joined Contino four or five years ago, all of our customers were coming to us and they were saying, hey, can you help us get into cloud? And we were building lots of landing zones, helping companies shifting from a non-prem first mentality into cloud first. And that was through a few years ago. Now, over the past year, two years, we're seeing companies coming to us with multi-cloud requests. Every company right now has AWS, Azure, GCP, Alibaba, other providers as well. So the problem with that is the fact that now you're asking your developers to be knowledgeable not only about C++, about Java, about .NET, but also about AWS services and GCP services and Azure services. 
in the same way, when we're using Kubernetes, lots of our companies are using Kubernetes. Kubernetes is a super important tool, but it comes with a plethora of other tools that need, you need to run to support the cluster. So there's significant cognitive load in all of these activities. Developers are not really better in one place or the other because they know how to operate Kubernetes. There's not a core differentiator for the company. So investing into developer experience, investing into platform engineering as well is a great way for companies to generate ROI by reducing cognitive load of developers. So you don't need to you don't need your developers to learn a lot of technologies, a lot of tools would be hard to maintain, hard to operationalize as well, but you can help them with a golden path, an easy way to get to ROI. In a similar way, if you're thinking about developer experience as a whole, you can also think about controls, compliance, and framework. You know, the number of times in which I've spoken with the CTOs or CIOs that came to us and said, it's incredibly hard for us to build this or build that because we have all these compliance checks in place. We have all these gates that prevent us from getting to the value we want to get to. When you see that, uh, that is clearly, and we see that so often, it's clearly responding to a market problem. And the problem is uh, companies have not been able to automate uh, the way in which they're building software, the way in which they're checking software compliance status, performing auditings and as well. And if you're investing into developer experience, it also means investing into simplifying compliance, simplifying all these level of controls which are clear RI for the company because the company will become faster at doing this and will be more successful when doing it as well. Interesting. In addition to that, would you say there's also an instance of, say, improving employee you know, satisfaction, for example, with development environments, not faffing around with certain levels of tools? Or would you say it might also link to a recruitment benefit? I mean, one answer as an engineer that I always ask in interviews is what is your developer environment like? What tools am I going to work in with? Would you say that also links into it as well? Yeah, totally, totally. Like there's different different components. For sure, the talent angle is super important. We want to make sure that everybody that comes to the company is able to deploy code to production as quickly as possible. In uh, smaller startups, the dream is having a person deploying to production in uh, the first day of work. In larger companies, can take a bit more, a bit longer. But definitely having a standardized developer experience enables developers to get to deliver software faster and enables them also not to worry about things. I remember that a few years ago, I read this article that was talking about uh, Google's, Google internals IT systems. If you're a Google employee, your laptop breaks... Uh, you know, you don't have to go through significant uh, checks in your IT processes and having to speak with five or ten people. You just go to the IT shop and just get a laptop and you're ready to go. This is developer experience. Investing into the entire life cycle is a full life cycle we're talking about here. It's not only the technical bits. It's definitely a full life cycle, as you were saying, Ethan. Yeah. And then to the other angle as well of developer experience is... Uh, the value that developers see in their work and their level of satisfaction with the company, the net promoter score. At Continuo, we're super careful with that. Even internally, we track uh, ENPS in multiple ways and we're making sure that we are at the forefront of uh, what they, our engineers are thinking of their mind. And we often even advise customers on how they can make sure that the developers are happy and how they can track that as well. So we're looking at this from an engineering management perspective and Definitely there is a direct connection. But I don't want to overstress this. So I don't want people to think that developer experience is done just because we want to make developer happy. It's not about that. It's also about that, for sure. We're doing developer experience because it brings our eye to the company. We have to stay really sharp with this and really think about 
business value when we're thinking about that. Yeah, 100%. I think a really good example, actually, I've seen that I believe it's uh, AWS or Amazon. They have vending machines where you can you know, request uh, laptops, keyboards, etc. But on that point, actually, it's a case of, you know, as you were saying around the Google example of being able to request a laptop easy. A lot of companies at the, you know, at the moment are looking to save costs. And one of the ways that they're saving costs is on developer experience and things like increasing uh, laptop refresh cycles, for example. What's your thoughts around that out of interest? That's a very interesting, uh, it's a very, very interesting angle. I think that uh, all of our customers right now are looking at cost reduction because they want to make sure that they can weather any coming storm, which makes total sense from their perspective. And I appreciate where they're coming from. But at the same time, we shouldn't just go back to where we were five years ago or 10 years ago and think that developer experience or software investment is just a cost center. It remains a profit generation. But in the same way, for example, we're seeing this uh, with one of the most popular open source projects, Spotify, as called Backstage. So Backstage is a tool that helps you build internal developer portals, internal developer platforms. And Backstage has amazing FinOps plugins in a way that enable you to track your spend across multiple cloud providers and tag that for by project, by team, by region, whatever you're doing. So you can invest in developer experience and obtaining a reduction in cost by choosing the right tools. If you're standardized the way in which developers are consuming cloud services and you're looking at this from a FinOps angle, you can say, perfect, I'm going to invest into this and make sure that we're looking at the right cost reduction from cloud provider, and we're generating that cost reduction there as well. We're seeing companies doing the same thing as well when it comes down to Jira tickets and looking at tracking how one Jira ticket is generating value for the other. There's lots of activities that can be done, and they're done right now, to put cost controls in place. And I think that... Actual cost control comes from investments in developer experience rather than reduction investments from there. So looking at the non-technical side of developer experience, so things like Jira tickets, how do you look at service management, all those processes, ways of working? Obviously, at Contino, that's what we specialize in. What are your thoughts around this? Yeah, there's plenty of things around that. And at Contino, we spend really the past few years looking at this from different angles, I think. So we're looking at um, agile coaching as well and making sure that companies are building software in an agile manner. And lots of companies are, every company we speak with right now is telling us we're doing agile and most companies are definitely trying at least. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think all our com- all our customers are now trying. I think that we're, with Continuum, we can help them investing a bit more into it and we can make sure that they get some of the expertise from what the others are doing outside the space. I think that in this sense, in terms of developer experience, the other core trend that I see happening is the part of the project to product movement. So connected developer experience and the Jira tickets is the idea uh, of engineering and is a engineering management resources idea. So we're seeing a significant trend in the industry with a number of tools like TechStop or Plainview or LinearB as well, tools that are really targeted at making sure that we can join all the dots of the various data sources, SaaS products that we're using, how do they connect together? How do we make sure that we have clear visibility of the process from the idea until the deployment in production of the idea? Those tools really enable you to connect, join the dots, enable you to see performance of your team, enable you to see how much you're investing into 
maintenance, how much you're investing into resource, into features, all of that is part of developer experience. So making sure you're building that those connections there, you can create those feedback feedback loops as well. There, continuous improvements, continuous processes. The these tools are amazing. I've been looking at a few of them. Um, as I, as I said, test up linear B. I don't want to recommend vendors. There's uh, Spotify's Backstage as well, super popular in the, in the space. They really enable companies to have a more holistic view of when it comes down to generating software. I think that uh, this probably was generational to an extent, but. If you think about this, over the years, we've seen companies looking at IT as a cost center. Then companies said, no, 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 no. As we mentioned before, IT is value generation, and so we're is a profit center. And then companies said, okay, now if it is a profit center, it's not detached from the business, but it's part of the business. And so when we're looking at generating features and building features in the company, investing in this, we really want to see the entire flow. We want to go from the beginning, from the idea until the plummet in production and the test that the idea works. So if we're adding a feature, we want to make sure that the feature is bringing in the revenue increases or the changes in uh, the ROI that we want to get from the idea. Taking a step back. Uh, you're in the process of starting your developer experience journey. What would you say is your, your core principles to get started? Like those foundational bits that you need for further success? Oh, that's, a, that's a very good question. So I can tell you a bit of what we did with uh, some of our customers. Some customers come to us with a very ambitious idea. Some customers come to us and they have a, perhaps they have a new head of engineering, a new VP, a new CTO. They come to us and they say, we really want to rebuild everything from scratch. And that is rarely working. And customer comes to us and say, we want to look at the entire flow from all different pieces and steps. And while that is a good idea, I think that the first stage is measure. Measure at least a few parts of the process. Yes, when we're talking about measuring lead time, ideally we want to measure from the time in which the product team has the idea to the time in which the idea has been implemented in production. But in reality, that is really, really hard and some of our customers may just not have a way of measuring that because it's never been built. And so if you're starting for some smaller parts as well of the, of the flow, that is enough. If you're starting from the time in which the idea has been converted into a backlog item, that is probably enough. And that can really help. So the first staple for me is to think about not being perfect but starting with something. So having an agile approach to this, if you want. Measures, measuring as much as possible first. Building that visibility in the company. Getting low-hanging fruits. That is the first stage, for sure. After you set up the measurements, then you say, okay, so based on the measurements, based on the level of investment into DevX that the company wants to make, and the way in which I think about this, I never try to think about this as a monetary number, it's all about a percentage from your trend. How much are you investing today in DevX as percentage of your development output? Do you want to invest 10%? Do you want to invest 20%? Do you want to invest 50%? That is the second stage. Second stage is say, okay, I'm going to assess how much I want to invest. And then after you decided how much you want to invest, how much you can invest, then it's, time, it's down to look at technical parts. Then it's down to, okay, now we're looking at the technical parts, how we can increase and improve developer experience across the entire flow. And, and then you can start doing things as well. A fourth point that I want to make, uh, actually, there are two more points. One point that I think is important is uh, in developer experience, 
getting feedback is super important. So don't forget about surveys. Don't forget about ideas from uh, uh, coming from your team and making sure you give visibility and opportunities from your team to feedback to you. Say, hey, I would want this, would want that. That is super important. And the fifth thing is to build for multiple layers. The big risk with developer experience is the same level of risk that we see in companies that are forcing processes onto people. If you're forcing developers to adopt a certain tool set, there is a risk. The risk is that your most senior developers won't be satisfied with that level of investment. They will say, I want something else. If you want to make a technical example, if you, if you can only give your developers a package Terraform modules, some developers will say, no, I want to build my own Terraform module. I want to write my own code. So in this case, it's important as well as five, fifth pillar is to think about different le levels of mode. You have one mode in which you're building an easy golden path for the most common use case, and that is the average path, the easiest path. And then you also need to build in a way that you enable uh, the last 10%, to enable the 10% of people to be able to still use the platform, the system you built. If you forget about this, if you forget to enable the 10%, which is a 10% that is that carries lots of sway, these are your power users, that 10% can be a problem. And this is why we see lots of companies having black markets. We call black markets. So you have companies for which uh, you have engineers in the company or or managers in the company that are not following the process of the company, but are going and ask John. They're going and asking Lila, hey, can you please help me doing this? I don't have time to create that ServiceNow ticket because I know it will take six or seven levels of approvals. Can you just change the firewall rule for me? That is a black market, and this is what you really want to avoid with developer experience. The big pitfall, as I said, that we see in companies is being very strict and very prescriptive in the way in which you're expecting your users to consume your solutions. And as such, you end up creating an environment that is not conducive to success, is not really flourishing. So creating those two layers, a golden path for the majority of the use cases, and also a 10% opportunity for power users to be able to follow their own path while staying within the constraints and the governance that is important for the company. Interesting. And that's an interesting point you raised earlier was case of, you know, looking at developing sort of internal tools, etc. So what would you say, what would you say is the fine line between looking at, you know, buying in sort of vendor tools or building your own? How would you justify the difference in both? The, I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the average uh, IT consultant's answer, which is it depends. There are different levels to this game. On one hand, I think that in the world, very few companies build. Very, very few companies will build the entire tool stack. I remember that I read at some point Google had hundreds of different tools that were doing security, static um, code checking, static code analysis. And there's only very few companies in the world that can invest as much into developer experiences. Most companies are still buying. But there are different levels of buying. There are levels of buying where you can buy tools that are ready-made, that are fully-fledged, and you're just integrating the tool as you are, or you can buy tools and build upon it and creating a bit of an ecosystem around that. And this is an interesting place to be. Uh, I think that developer experience in itself um, lends itself, especially if you're a large enterprise, to a plethora of different integration. When you have all these integrations and potentially different uh, data paths for the integration to connect. In that case, it's definitely a level of build investment you want to make. 
you don't want to be tied in something that really blocks your growth in the future because you're moving in six months from uh, Jira to something else. You want really want to try to get to a place where you're building at least some some part of it. At the same time, most of our customers and the way in which we're helping them is really in the infrastructure and architecture space. And compared to the rest of the developer experience ecosystem, we are definitely less standardized. There's less standardized tools around that. There are more custom solutions being built. So my advice is don't even try to build anything from scratch. There's no core differentiation in that, for sure. I think it makes sense for you to uh, buy at least a part of it. And you can either go with open source solutions, with SaaS solutions. You can buy a portion of it. You can build this glue, build this integration, and it's probably more than enough for the vast majority of our customers. If you're a very, very small company, if you're a scale-up, if all your presence, if all your supporting tools and systems are a, this these cloud-native standardizing tooling, uh, thinking about you have the most advanced MDM, you have the most advanced uh, Jira uh, um, bug tracking system, you have all of these things, then perhaps in your case, it makes total sense for you to just buy it all and go with the SaaS because those integrations are already there. But if you have anything more customs, and frankly, most of our customers, large enterprises regulated have, you definitely want to think about building at least some of the glue because that will be a core differentiator for you when it comes down to scaling integration. One point on that, actually, is I have seen it in the past, actually, when I've worked for different organizations, is changing tools. It's like, well, it's like the equivalent of going from Slack to Teams. If you never used Teams before and your organization's built everything around Slack and now you transition into Teams, obviously people might be unhappy with that from, you know, from a developer experience standpoint. So on that basis then, in terms of changing tools, if you implement a tool and it's not working, how would you decide to change yeah, totally. That's a significant risk. Um, we're seeing this across multiple levels. That So there's one dimension to that question, which is the traditional vendor lock-in. How locked in are you in your vendor? And that applies to anything from cloud providers to even uh, internet broadband at home. Like There's different degrees of this game, but it's super important to think about the fact that you need to be deliberate in the choice. So there's one angle to this, which is you have to be deliberate in the choice and saying this is why we're making this choice. This is why we're building, why we're buying. This is why we're making that choice. The second angle is uh, employee experience. So this, I think, goes beyond the idea of changing tools and it's just about how do you sell an idea into a company? How do you sell an idea? And that is sometimes surprising. This is why sometimes when we speak with large platform teams uh, into, into a company and we say, okay, so you're a platform team with... Uh, 50, 100 people, large platform team in a company that will have 10,000, 20,000 employees, thousands of developers. Do you have anybody in marketing? And they always say, no, we don't have anybody in marketing. Why do we have anybody in marketing? We're an internal tool. And we're like, yeah, but you're selling to thousands and thousands of people. You definitely want to craft a certain message. And continue, we've helped some of our customers using our marketing team as well to learn a bit of tips and tricks about this. But definitely crafting the message and making sure that you're communicating where value lies for them and how that helps them is super important. And getting professional help as well. Let's just not forget that in any company, your success is a function of three things. It's a function of who you are and your skills. It's a function of your 
knowledge of the organization as well. How can you grow and you can move and do things with the organization as well as how good is your team and the environment and the market around you. So organizational knowledge is super important when you're looking at success of a team and adoption of tools and making sure that you can work within the organization, leveraging all you have. I think that developers, it is true that developers sometimes are, you know, they become familiar with the tool and as we're humans, we're not really welcoming change. So change needs to be sold all the time and so needs to be framed in the right way. I think that it's important to leverage experience people where possible, thinking about your marketing team that you have internal to the company, but also thinking about what it means for the audience. How can you frame a, a message for the audience? If you're going to your developers and you're saying, here is a new OpenShift uh, platform from deploying from tomorrow now on or from tomorrow, just connect to the same point and deploy that is not going to be well received. But if you're going to, uh, people are going to ask why. People are going to ask uh, how. People are going to ask uh, what does it mean for me. But if you're going to them and you're saying, hey, John, I know that it used to take you two weeks to get approval to get a deployment. If you're deploying on this other endpoint, it will take you two days. It will take you two hours. It will be a much nicer experience. And we will look after a number of things. Framing the message in the right way is super important. And it's not only about we have the best technical solution, but all about what will be the perception of my solution of my implementation as well. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think I think developers, as we both experienced, are reluctant to change. So it is, it's always about promoting those benefits. If you've been used to doing it a certain way, well, it's just in anything in life, really, it is quite reluctant to change. One sort of final question, actually, is... How would you evaluate the current DevEx landscape? Would you say that more it's more startups or more organizations putting shift around it and doing it quite well? Would you say a lot of enterprises still need to do a lot of work? Is there enough vendor support, etc., from the hyperscalers? How would you evaluate the overall DevEx landscape? This is kind of like a Garner's magic quadrant in a, in a podcast. I think the space is more mature than it used to be, but I don't think that the players in the space have learned how to sell into enterprises yet. Okay. I think that the players in the space right now are doing their best to target companies that they perceive culturally similar to them, and they perceive that, oh, this company will definitely buy my product because they see the value in software. Whether I believe that there's a huge market that is still untapped from enterprises to connect this. And there's lots of power in that, I think. Um, there's a few, a few open source players, there's a few smaller players, very, very small startups as well that are gaining momentum based in Europe, in the US. They're really good. But uh, they're, not, they're not enterprise level yet. They're not, they're, they have perhaps interesting features, but they don't know how to sell into an enterprise. They, they have interesting connections with a number of tools, but they don't have a non-prem offerings. They have an amazing customer support team based on Slack, but their procurement team doesn't really know how to negotiate a contract. All of these pieces, which are perhaps less features connected, but connected to the maturity of the company, is definitely a play right now. And so in the ecosystem, I see growth. I see a direction of travel that will definitely cover large enterprises and, and co large companies as well. I don't think we're there yet. It will take a couple of years because the market is definitely mature towards that. How can Contino help around developer experience? Well, how has Contino been helping around developer experience for the past few years? We've helped in a variety of ways. We've helped certain companies from a purely technical standpoint 
adopting standardized landing zones, adopting standardized systems that enable their developers to operate at scale. And we've been doing this across a variety of different players from financial services to public sector to regulated industries, life sciences. We've been doing this. We've been helping companies as well, staying through, as you were saying before, to continuous real mantra, which is a connection between business and technology. We've been helping companies changing the way in which they operate and so changing policies and changing processes and sitting with both the developer as the head of engineering, as a team leader, as the head of engineering, as a VP of engineering, working at different levels, making sure that on one level the strategic importance of developer experience was understood and on the other level uh, the technical implementation of a specific tool was done correctly. Continuo is one of the few companies that can play across the stack in this way because of the type of people that we employ in the company and because our positioning and our history as well. And that is how we've been helping customers from uh, the tiny single uh, Git comet all the way to the board level deck and presentation, going to the board and saying, here is how we advise the company invest to DevX and here is how you get the ROI we're expecting from DevX in two slides. We've been able to do everything over the years and we have ensured a significant experience in that sense. Thanks for listening to the Contino podcast. For more information, head to contino.io.